you know, for any fitness program or any lifestyle change to work, it has to have three things. We've talked about this in past episodes, but it's got to be enjoyable in some way. It's got to be sustainable and it's got to move you toward the goals that you have set for yourself. If it hits those three things, it's, it's, it's got a chance to really make an impact on your life. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we are all going to struggle. And how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. My name is Pete, coming to you from Heartland, Vermont. And with me is my friend and co-host, Todd Ellis. What's up, Todd? What's happening, Peter? How's oh, man. <laughs> I feel like I say this all the time, but I'm so excited about this episode. A uh, couple reasons. Um, number one, hey, this is Oct- we're officially in the month of October. You know what that here means? We well, fall is here. We've been in the podcast game for two years. What? Two years? <laughs> been doing two years. Of this wow. Thing. It's incredible. Yeah. That so is incredible. Cool. Yeah. Huh. I just realized that today. Nice work. Um, yeah. Super, super, super cool. One reason why I'm so excited about this episode is this is this is episode 70, I believe. Seven zero plus the trailer. So we've recorded 71 episodes at this point, and I've been wanting to do this one since about episode two. Oh, and just been right. waiting for the right time. So um, this is a conversation that's really in my wheelhouse, and I'm super excited to have it t- with you tonight. Let's and go. I've been waiting 68 episodes for this to happen. So wow, let's go. But before we get into tonight's content, are you familiar with sports wagering, or have you? Ran in any circles that have any experience there or yourself or not at all? Nah, nope. I know that you can't sleep in the sports book if you go to uh, Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that. take a nap. <laughs> nope. And I, I do know that there. I've never bet on sports um, like in a structured way, like maybe random. My brother-in-law is like, oh, I bet you $5 I lose, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I have seen an uptick in the commercials that are on television. Like oh, yeah, because all the states are legalizing it now. Basically. Something, yeah, right. Yeah. So I know that much yeah. about it. And then I know Vegas, right, they just they do whatever they want there. So you can always bet on sports and like any aspect of sports apparently in Vegas. Right, anything. anything yeah, yeah, like is it going to rain on the second football game during Correct. May? Like, it's Correct. just crazy. So. Yeah. Um, so growing up, my friend group may or may not have dabbled with a fair amount of sports wagering. One of the many, many ways that you can gamble or take action on sports is to play what's called the over-under. Okay. And the over-under can be, there's many, many ways you can access the over-under, but for this example, the over-under is simply a number of total points scored in a game, right? So you're from Seattle, so let's say the Seattle Seahawks play the Los Angeles Rams, and Vegas says the over-under for the total points scored is 48. So you can bet however much or little money you want to take the under, which means if you add up both teams' total points, it's less than 48. Okay. Or or you could take over. the over. Both teams' points scored is uh, over 48. And then if you, you know, if you win, you win money. And if you lose, you lose money. And betting the over-under or at least playing the over-under was something that was fairly fairly common with my friend group growing up, but not just with sports wagering. It just became kind of like common talk with us. So like we'd be somewhere doing something and somebody would just say, Hey, what's the over under on some random thing? Like what's the over under on how many blue cars are going to drive past us in the next minute? (laughs) Okay. And, and we didn't always like bet money. It was just kind of more for like conversation, Uh you know, like, you know, over under how many girls is that dude going to date in the next two months? You know, or whatever can can yep. be absolutely anything, 
So that just became a normal like frame of reference and conversation for myself and my friend group to the point now where I'm always just dropping over unders like on my wife and my daughter, like we'll go out somewhere and I'll say, oh, you know, Lauren, what's the over under on how many dogs you think we're going to see when we drive to the neighborhood today? And then someone, them generally say like, ah, oh, three. And then we all, we all have to pick, oh, is, is it going to be over? Is it going to be under? So that's just part of the the vernacular of the friend groups that I hang out with. And it, it's really, really fun. And I, I'm, I don't really bet money or, or wager, but I always love to just kind of like throw out an over under for conversation sake and then see how it kind of lands. Anyway, all this to say, I was talking with one of my um, childhood friends today and he was saying how much he's loving the podcast and he has been loving the last couple episodes and he said but i got it he goes i was reluctant to tell you this because i didn't want to let it out of the bag <laughs> but i'm going to tell you he said i have been setting an over under at how many times during a given episode that you're going to say the word either grateful or gratitude and okay he said, he said i usually set the over under at seven and a half so if you say a half that it has to be a definitive either you're over or you're under you can't you can't hit the number exactly. It's called a push, so you can't tie. You oh, have to be over or under. Wow, I'm learning a lot already. And he said, and he said in the last one, you, he, he goes, I always take the over. He goes, in the last one, you only said it four times. He goes, but I think that's because you didn't have a guest. When you have a guest, you say the word grateful or gratitude a lot more than we don't have a guest. I just thought it was really, really funny that uh, this level of analyzation of the podcast was happening amongst amongst my friends. So I thought that it was is fantastic. funny. Yes. Huh. So, with that said, anyone who has money on the over, I'm incredibly grateful that you would bet the over and I have a high level of gratitude that you bet the word grateful to come up or gratitude to come up more than four times this, this episode. So there you are. Those who took the over, you just won. Wow. Good job. We worked <laughs> that in. That's fun. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for yeah. teaching me. I, didn't I, know love, I love the way that this podcast is manifesting in people's lives outside of just like you and I on Mondays just recording. It was really, really fun. <laughs> That's bet. way longer than I was, than uh, I was planning. Sorry. It's a great story. Yeah, plus, you edit it, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so um, the actual content or the topic that I want to talk about tonight is something that is really near and dear to me. And... I'm going to try to lead off with a little anecdote before we get into the actual specifics of the content for tonight. Um, so I'm going to take you back to a high school version of myself. And I've shared in past episodes, especially the early episodes, um, the story of kind of my my self-value was not so great back in the day. Um, and I, I viewed myself as uh, an inferior person and viewed myself as not super full of worth, I guess, if you will. And a big part of that was just my physical small stature or size. Uh, when I graduated high school, I was literally 120 pounds. I know that because after my freshman year in college, I weighed myself to see how much weight I could gain my freshman year. And I gained one pound my freshman year in college. Wow. So I finished freshman year of college is 121 pounds at age 19. And when I was in college, um, I had a really good friend group that I hung out with that lived on the same floor as me. And we would go to dinner together. And then um, after dinner, they'd go to the gym. Or we might go to the gym first and then dinner. I don't remember the order. It doesn't really matter. And my choice was to either sit home or in my dorm room by myself or follow these dudes to the gym. So I was like, I don't really want to sit home by myself. I'm pretty extroverted. I like these guys. I want to hang out with them. And we walked into the gym. And I'll never forget the first time my freshman year walking into the gym. And it's just full of like football players. Just these big dudes moving large loads. And back then there wasn't any kind of like digital music. So it was just a boom box in the corner with a CD in it. And that entire freshman year, every time I went in the gym and I went in often, 
it was just Rage Against Machine and that one album playing over and over and over again. And I walked in this gym and I just like stood there and put my back against the wall and just like watch my friends kind of like go and kind of make their way through the gym. And they kind of did different things. Some worked out together, some worked out alone, but I didn't do anything. I just stood there and watched my very first introduction to the gym. And I was like, well, I'm never going to go there again because I don't really know what I'm doing. And I wanted anyone to make fun of me. So I ended up going back with them in there again because I just didn't want to go home alone like the next day. And they're like, oh, come over here and try this. And they asked me to bench press. And the first time I went to bench press, uh, a 20 kilo bar is a very standard bar in the weightlifting world. And 20 kilo is equates to approximately 45 pounds. And I got under there and I couldn't bench press the 45 pound bar 10 times. I was just prepared for them to like make fun of me and all the stuff. And they're like, oh man, that's cool. Like we'll come back tomorrow. We'll see if we can get it. And they were really supportive of me and it felt really cool to kind of be part of that crowd. And shortly after I just got hooked, yesterday I could only do seven reps, today I can do eight reps. That's a really empowering feeling. Yesterday I could not do this thing and today I can do it. Like that is just such an amazing feeling. And if you haven't experienced that in the physical realm, it's hard to describe to someone, but it was just a a really, really impactful time in my life. So I decided to just go and I went like however many, three or four times a week with them. And this was all freshman year. And I still and I still only gained that one pound all freshman year. But I think my body just wasn't adapting or wasn't ready. And I just stuck with it. And then I switched my sophomore year to going in the morning before class and I would go by myself with my headphones on. And I just became, I don't know if addicted is the right word. Maybe that is the right word. I became addicted to going into lifting weights. And I still saw myself as a 115-pound kid, and I still had all this self-doubt and inferiority complex and all these things, but there was just something about it that just felt empowering to me. And I just never stopped. I never stopped. I started when I was 18. Here I am, 45, and I'm still going, and it changed my life. So when it came time to choose a career, I decided to pick a career with something that had to do with this thing that really, really change the quality of my life for the better. And that was, was fitness. And when I think back on my life, I didn't realize that at the time when I feel back, when I think back on my life, that is, that was a, a huge turning point for me and how I saw myself and how I saw the world. And I think that after I got into strength training, I started to treat myself better. I started to treat the people around me better. I started to have a little bit more confidence and self-belief. I started to have more patience with people. I was certainly a lot kinder to my mom and my family members. And I, I do owe it to, and I think it all started with that process of just doing a hard thing and feeling good about doing the hard thing. So since we've launched this podcast two years ago, Todd, I really want to have a conversation about strength training. And as I am now moving <laughs> to uh, middle age and later, I really find myself fascinated uh, with the benefits of strength training at all ages. And when I look at the analytics of who's listening to this podcast, it's really fascinating. One third of our listeners are like basically between the ages of 16 and 25. And one third of our listeners is like 25 to 40. And one third of our listeners is like 40 plus. So we have this wide gamut of listeners. And I think regardless of where they are in their fitness journey, you know, my parents are in their mid to late 70s, and the conversation we're going to have tonight totally applies to them as much as it does to the 18-year-old version of, of me at 115 pounds. So I'm just really excited to share some of the things that I've learned, some of the things that have positively enhanced my life, and hopefully people can walk away from this episode with a little more understanding of the benefits of strength training. Even if you have been strength training for over 20 years, I urge you to continue to listen to this episode because I'm going to drop some nuggets in that I've learned in the last six months after doing it for 20 plus years. So um, 
I know you are a fitness enthusiast, Todd, and you have engaged in many hours of strength training in your life. I'm excited to see how this manifests uh, in your life as well. Yeah. Let's explore. Cool. So I um, did a bunch of preparation for the show. I, I bet. Kind of a, <laughs> I have a plan for how I want to go about it. So the first thing I'm going to do is take a broad brush, broad brush stroke here and just share kind of the main benefits of strength training. So I've narrowed it down to kind of the seven main benefits of strength training. And the first one is increased muscle size. So when you increase your muscle size and strength, it has spillover into the amount of power you have. And when you have stronger muscles, the the word for that would be hypertrophy, uh, when the muscles get bigger and stronger. And as a result of that, a lot of positive health factors start to come into play. And you can mitigate kind of the four big lifestyle or what we call chronic diseases, which is heart disease, different forms of cancer, neurodegenerative diseases, which are diseases of the brain, and type 2 diabetes. In addition to enhanced muscle size and strength, it also improves the cardiovascular health. And many people tell you that the heart muscle is the single most important muscle in our body. And when the heart muscle is strong and healthy, the rest of the body has a chance to be stronger or healthier. So we have uh, improved cardio health as well. And when the heart is stronger, you can do more physical activity for longer periods of time without getting fatigued. And the more we can exercise without getting fatigued, the healthier we can make our body as well. And that also has positive implication for blood pressure, blood pressure, cholesterol, and um, different mitigation of cardiovascular diseases. Another benefit of strength training is increased bone density, right? I once heard someone say that a structure is only as strong as the force that's put on it. So if we test our muscles or we challenge our muscles or, or our bones, um, they can become stronger as a result of that. And as we get older, our bone density deteriorates, and the single best way to mitigate that or help continue having strong bones or stimulate bone growth is through, is through strength training. Next benefit, stabilizes and protects the, the joints in our body. Joint health is essential for being active, for being able to do the physical things that we want to do, knees, hips, shoulders, all that stuff is vulnerable for injury and disease. Uh, osteoarthritis, those types of things. Strength training can help mitigate against those and is really good for helping us improve posture, balance, those types of things where the joints play a role in that. Strength training also helps reduction of body fat. So when we reduce body fat and if we were to combine some strength training with some, some aerobic exercises, research shows that the body burns more calories at rest. We have a higher metabolic rate. So our, our body's ability to use and process energy, aka food, becomes uh, more efficient. Since muscular tissue is more metabolically active than fat tissue, people with more muscle tend to have a higher metabolic rate. And this helps with body composition, which helps with overall health and wellness. Anyone who's any, done any kind of working out, um, me included, can kind of back up the 2021 International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health studies that shows that strength training can help improve mental health by decreasing symptoms of anxiety and depression. That has always been my, my go-to. Um, that's how I've dealt with all my stuff. My mental stuff is through the workouts, and there's some really powerful research that shows how beneficial exercise and strength training is to mental health. And last one, and this is one that you and I talk about all the time, but research suggests that strength training helps improve sleep quality, which is essential for physical and mental well-being. It may help reduce fatigue um, and increase energy levels throughout the day. So, can't do anything without sleep, that's for sure. Can't do anything without sleep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you could so, try. 
those are the reasons why somebody might want to consider strength training. Mm, so then the question becomes, what's strength training? And strength training is uh, so. <laughs> when yeah. it comes to fitness, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to the fitness world, there's always multiple camps for everything, right? Like people in the dieting world, some people say we should drink milk, some say we shouldn't, some say we shouldn't meat, some say we shouldn't, you know, vegetables. Some people, there's people out there that say we shouldn't eat vegetables. Same thing with with any type of fitness related discussion, right? There's going to be multiple perspectives and everything. So anything that I say, you in this conversation, you could probably go online and find something that says to the contrary. But after 20 years of gaining certifications and all this stuff and teaching it and sharing it and applying it to my life, I'm going to try to keep this super, super basic and on the surface. But strength training is the application of force on a muscle, basically, or the application of force on an object. So you're using your muscle to apply force to an object and is basically challenging the muscle to do something that it's not already adapted to do. So the way that I teach my students is if I go into math class and, I, and my, my math teacher says, what's well, two plus two? And I say four. And they say, great. And then a minute later, they say, two plus, what's two plus two? And I say four. And they do that for 60 minutes. I haven't challenged my mind, so I haven't learned anything. Same with the muscle. The only way that it can become stronger is if it's challenged and challenging the muscle through concentric, isometric, and eccentric contractions is what makes the muscle stronger. Don't worry about those long words that I just said. They don't matter for this conversation. All right. So you have to induce stress on a muscle to create a stimulus that forces an adaptation to make the muscle bigger and stronger. I'm using a bunch of words, but basically you have to ask the muscle to do something it's not used to doing. So your muscle goes, holy crap, he just asked me to do this. Whoa. Next time he asked me to do this, I'm going to be more prepared. I'm going to adapt in the meantime. And one thing that a lot of my students don't know, and a lot of people um, that I talk to don't realize is that when you're building muscle strength, the physiological enhancement of the muscle size and strength does not happen during the workout. During the workout, we're inducing stress on the muscle. We're actually breaking the muscle down. And when we challenge the muscle, we ask the muscle to do something it's not used to doing. We have what's called micro tears and there's tiny little gaps in the muscle fibers, the myofibrils, and they get pulled apart with the, with, with the effort that we're putting in for muscle uh, and strength building. And then the muscle actually gets stronger when you're resting, recovering, sleeping, and eating nutritious foods. So the foods and the rest combine to make the muscle a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. And that those are called micro gains. So if you stack micro gains on top of micro gains, on top of micro gains, on top of micro gains, over time, your muscle gets stronger. An example of that is one of the first principles of muscle building called progressive overload. And it was, oh, I forget the guy's name. It was Crot, Milo of Croton. He was a six-time Olympic champion back in the day, way back in the day, I believe Greece, but I could be wrong about the country. As a young man, he was reported to have gained a tremendous amount of strength by carrying a baby calf over his shoulders around town. Well, why not? He did that every day for four years. So as, a ta- as the calf got bigger and stronger, so did he. And four years later, he was carrying a full bull on his shoulders. And that's pretty much w- what progressive overload is. You're inducing a stimulus on your body so your body adapts and says, oh my gosh, he's asking me to do this. I need to be more prepared to do it. And your body adapts. So that's kind of the real kind of basic piece of what strength training is. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm learning a lot. You know this <laughs> stuff. I love it. You better. I, lo- I love this stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yes. it's, yeah, it's changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so then where I wanted to take the conversation was, 
all right, if Pete or anyone or the research says that this is healthy for me to do, whether I'm my dad is 76 and had a, had a heart procedure this, this past week, mm-hmm. whether you're him coming back from heart surgery or you're a young kid in middle school is thinking about enhancing the quality of your health, your mentality, whatever, what should I be doing? would lead me to thinking about, all right, what are the movements inherent to human function that I could train? So we as humans naturally move certain ways. We call them functional movements, movements that we perform in our daily life. And the way that we could build strength is by movements that are requiring some form of squatting, movements that require some sort of hinging, movements that require some sort of pushing, movements that require some sort of pulling, some core activation or stabilizing, and then um, recently, in a lot of stuff I've been researching and listening to, they've added another one, and that's carrying objects. So when I first learned about strength training, carries weren't a big part of the the process, and now that's getting a lot more play in the strength in the strength field. Hmm. So squatting is basically anytime you are um, bending your knees and your hips, and you're raising your hips. So think of Basically, what I tell my students is the squat is the single most important movement that we should be doing because it's the single most functional way that we move, right? Every time we get out of a car, we squat. Every time we get off the ground, we squat. Every time we get out of a chair, we squat. Every time we get out of bed, we squat. Every time we get off the toilet, we squat. And um, there's other ways that we can hit the squatting movements in addition to just traditional squats. Any form of, any form of lunge would be considered a squat. Any kind of uh, step up would be considered a squat. Um, anytime we use both legs doing the same thing at the same time, it's called bilateral. So a bilateral squat where both legs are doing the same thing at the same time. Then anytime where one leg is doing something that the other leg is not doing, it's called a unilateral squat. So stepping up, walking upstairs, those are unilateral movements because the legs aren't doing the same thing at the same. So I could squat either bilaterally or unilaterally, but for, to keep this simple, just any form of squat movement is great. Hinging is when I'm bending at the waist, often to pick something up. So in our everyday life, if I bend over and pick up a bag of groceries, if I bend over and pick up my daughter's toys over and over and over again, when she should be doing it, um, that would be hinging, otherwise known for many people as a deadlift. There are, there are other forms of hinging, but the deadlifting, um, when you're bending over to pick something up, to standing tall. And from what I've learned in my research about strength building is that these movements that I'm going through right now, they are kind of the compound or the, the foundational movements that all strength training programs should have involved in in some way, shape, or form. They kind of train from the inside out or from the core to extremity is a term that you hear often in the fitness industry. So those are lower body movements. The upper body uh, movements are pushing. Anytime I start and finish with my hands in front of me, that would be called a horizontal push. Anytime I start and finish with my hands above my head, that would be a vertical push. Same for pulling. Anytime I'm pulling with my hands in front of me is a horizontal pull. Anytime I'm starting and finishing with my hands above me, like a pull-up, would be a vertical pull. And then the more I'm learning about the core, the more I'm really becoming fascinated that the core's main role is to stabilize the human body. So when you think about core-based movements that build strength in the core, such as sit-ups, leg raises, knees to elbows, toes to bar, those types of things, a lot of stuff that I'm learning now is that they're saying, in addition to that, or maybe even a replacement of, we should be doing core stabilization work. So holding objects and walking with them or holding uh, uneven objects and having our core stabilize those. So maybe I have a heavy object in one hand, like a kettlebell or a dumbbell and nothing in the other hand, and my core has to stabilize to keep my body upright. So I think that that is all just really, really, really cool. So if you're going to start 
or you are going to do any type of strength training program. And I see a lot of students like, yo, I just want to look good for the beach. I'm just going to do biceps and triceps. But if we add the squat, the hinge, different versions of pushing and pulling, we actually build strength throughout our entire body. And when our entire body's strengthening, it makes the pop of that bicep curl or that tricep extension even more effective. Questions? How do you sell that to kids? They don't see the efficacy of like the whole package like you and I see it. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yes. So how I sell that to kids, I let them do whatever they want for the first couple months and, and let them kind of sink the hook in for themselves. Like, so, oh, I'm going to get a pull-up. Like, but do you have them working on goals? Like if you yeah, want to work yeah. on a pull-up. So, yeah. so I'll, meet with, I'll meet with them and I'll say, what do you want to get out of this? And some kids will just be like, yo, I just want to look better next summer. Okay. That's yeah. cool. Where do you want to look better? Well, I want to look better in the chest and the biceps and the triceps. Okay. And, and we can just do that stuff. And then once I see that they're kind of feeling good about that, then I'll start to introduce other stuff to them. Hmm. But doing stuff that they don't want to do right out of the gate, I found is is a hindrance to having them stay in the game for the long term. Yeah, And yeah. that's my story is like, I'd go in and bench and do biceps and triceps and I didn't squat for like forever. I just like, why do I need to squat? I can just wear big shorts. It's the 90s. Like everyone <laughs> rocks big shorts, Baller. right? Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. So, you know, for any fitness program or any lifestyle change to work, it has to have three things. We've talked about this in past episodes, but it's got to be enjoyable in some way. It's got to be sustainable and it's got to move you toward the goals that you had set for yourself. If it hits those three things, it's, it's, it's got a chance to really make an impact on your life. So then when it comes to the strength training, the next question is, well, what should I do? And the answer is, it's got to hit those three. It's got to be you know, it's got to be somewhat engaging or enjoyable in some manner. It's got to be sustainable and it's got to move you closer to the goals. As long as you feel the muscle working, you're good to go. We could go down a million rabbit holes about the best, most efficient programs, about what we should and shouldn't be doing. But really, the answer to what is the best program out there, the answer to that for everybody is the same, the program that you will stay on. So, it's got to be one that works for you. And then when students or people say, well, then, all right, let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's talk about sets and reps. I try to really make that simple and just say, as long as you're doing 30 reps, break it up however you'd like. So if you want to do three sets of 10 of any given movement, that's great. If you want to do five sets of six, that's great. If you want to do six sets of five, that's great. And then people say, well, about how many, how long is it going to take for me to really start to see the results? And generally speaking, approximately, you'll start to really see the result after about 30 workouts. Now, I work with high school kids and they're starting in a place where they've never lifted yeah. weights before. So the gains are enormous yeah. for the first couple months. It's crazy. That's part of your sales pitch. Well, not, maybe not yeah. a pitch. But that, if, that's do, if they can do anything, they'll garner an adaptation and become stronger the next day. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. crazy how fast high school kids, especially yeah. ones that have never lifted weights before, yeah. see that result. <laughs> yeah, it, sure. It's nuts. Yeah. So as long as they're not hurting themselves, and that's kind of my biggest job is to mm-hmm. teach them proper mechanics. So about 30 reps per movement, break it up however you'd like. And then about 30 workouts, so I call it the rule of 30s, about 30 workouts, you really start to hit your stride, right? So if you're doing three workouts a week, you're talking about 10 weeks until you really start to hit your stride. If you're doing five workouts a week, you're talking about six weeks until you hit your stride. And that's kind of just where I start with people. As long as they feel the muscle working, you're making progress. Any set or repetitions, you just want to pick a weight or we say pick a load that the last three reps challenge you. So if I'm doing a set of 10, reps 8, 9, and 10 should not be super easy. If I get to 10 and it still felt like it did on rep 1 and 2, I need to go a little bit heavier. 
if I'm planning on doing 10 and I can't get more than eight, I need to go a little bit lighter. But just intuitively experiment with it a little bit and just have those last three reps challenge you. I know that my father doesn't need any weight to do a couple squats and to feel, feel his muscles working. Yep. So that's, that's kind of the real kind of just like basic nuts and bolts of strength training. And then if you were to do hit each muscle once or twice a week, just start there and you'll be good to go. And then when it comes to kind of the aging population, there is no better term than use it or lose it. Like we only become as strong as what we're using. And if we don't use anything, there's a word called decrepitude, starts to creep into our body and our body becomes less and less functional, the less that we use it. It's quite a conundrum because it's like, oh, this hurts or this is uncomfortable. So I shouldn't do it. But if I don't do it, the decrepitude is going to prevent me from doing anything down the road. Yeah. I heard one the other day and I've heard it before, but because I'm getting old and things are starting to, my sides going, like all these things just start to add up on me. And somebody was talking about strength training. Um, and they said at, at a certain age, what you're doing is mitigating loss instead of building. And, and it's funny cause it's true. Like I suddenly noticed like, Oh, my balance, like I have to check my balance now. <laughs> I get in the shower and I'm like, Whoa, if I fell right there, that would have been some serious disaster, right? But yeah. it's, it's those little things. It's it's like mitigating the risk and, and the loss, especially as you get older. I think that that's laying, laying a good foundation while you're young is important, but you know, knowing what to expect or, or what, what you think you're going to get out of in the long run, I think is, is a whole other yeah. chapter. But. Yeah. like So I'm still trying to enhance my fitness, but what if I just kept the fitness that I have for like the next 40 years? Can you imagine I was 85 years old and I can deadlift 400 pounds? I mean, like sweet. How cool, how cool that would be, right? So <laughs> yeah. instead of, so what, what can my brother and I talk about this? So what processes can I put into play now so that maybe I don't gain a whole lot of fitness, but I just don't lose any yeah. over the next bunch of years. Yeah. That'd be really cool. And then an, another phrase I love, and this is just when it comes to strength training, I'm not talking about mentality. I don't want anyone to get my words mixed up and think that I'm talking about anxiety or depression or anything of the mental, but this is just of the physical, but I love this as a good reminder for me. Strength is never a weakness and weakness is never a strength. Peter Atia is probably my favorite and, and um, Andrew Huberman. Those are my two kind of go-tos in the internet world right now that are putting out some really good content about aging and vitality and what we need to do to mitigate against some of the things that happen as we get older. And strength training is an absolute necessity for maintaining our functional capacity as we yep. get into our later years. Yep. And when you hear strength, I think when hear, people hear strength training, they, they automatically think of like external loads. And that's just a fancy word, way of saying like picking stuff up, like weights. But we can strength train without any weights. Like anyone who's ever done a push-up knows that you can build muscle without using weights. Anyone who's you know gone for a long hike up a hill knows that the muscles are fatigued without weights. So I think people often think, oh, the only way I can strength train is if I go to a gym and use these machines or lift weights. And and that's not the case at all. Like there's many, many ways that we can strength train at home in a nine by nine square foot empty space. Yeah. You can just a matter of how do you want to figure out what, what, what would work for you? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Some of the most humbling uh, aspects of CrossFit anyways are body weight movements. Like (laughs) <laughs> you know, go do 300 air squats, see how you feel. See, tell me your muscles aren't working after that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing. And then one other uh, really underplayed 
way to access strength training is with isometric holds. So isometric holds are a really fancy way of saying building muscle capacity without moving. So you hold your body in a position until uh, the muscles start to really feel fatigued. Uh, a really good example of that is the plank. You get into the plank for long enough and your core muscles and your glutes and your shoulders are going to work hard. If anyone's ever done a wall sit before, you know that after a little while, your knees start trembling, your quads start shaking, you're building muscle capacity without moving. So there's lots of different ways to access strength training. And then a lot of stuff that hurts, all right, well, if I'm going to, and I get this a lot from colleagues, if I'm going to spend any time and energy doing this, what's the best bang for my buck? What is for time spent the best value in strength training? And for me, it's just a little bit of time spent in each of those categories. So your program in some way, shape, or form will involve some sort of squatting. It will involve some sort of hinging, some sort of pushing, some sort of pulling, and some sort of carrying of something. And then in addition to that, what's getting a lot of play um, in the vitality world is hanging strength. So getting under getting under a bar of some sort, maybe not hanging dead weight. So all your weight is, is on them is hanging from your hands, but you can keep your feet on the floor and just start to take a little bit of weight, uh, take more and more weight onto your hands and really, uh, ask your upper body muscles to, to hang on the strength in your hands, your forearms. Um, what it does for stretching of the shoulders is really amazing. So there's lots of really cool ways that we can access strength gains. In my opinion, it's really changed my life. And I'm I'm just really, really, really fascinated by the physiology of the human body and what it does for the body and for the mind if we just ask our body to do things that are uncomfortable. I agree. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, that, I, 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 I concur. <laughs> that was a... That was a little bit of a tangent for me, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you kind of went, you kind of went deep. I like it. I like it when you. I can tell you're jazzed about it for those oh, who are not watching. Yeah, this is I like clearly what turns you on. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's neat. It's just. It's the hardest thing is just putting it in digestible terms that is usable for people. Yeah, you know, that's, that's applicable. Oh, I was working the driveway the other day. Ryland, my middle son, came home, and a couple of his buddies came over, and one of the kids that came over was in the CrossFit program at the school and he played baseball. He never, he was like, man, this CrossFit, so, like, he's a heavier dude. And he's just like, that's hard. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, that's the whole point. It's supposed to be hard. Like it's going to get you ready for baseball or whatever comes up. And they, they couldn't get it. That's why I asked you this selling question or, or how do you pitch it? And he, he's now out of high school and he's into college. And he's like, you know, what's funny about that is when you get to college for sports, that's what they do is they put you in strength and conditioning programs, just yeah. like those you, that you were trying to teach at that high school. And I was like, yo, what'd you learn from that? And he's like, it sucks, but that's the only way to do it. <laughs> I was like, yep. So it's just funny. All of the kids that we deal with, a lot of them, some of them just get it. Like they're like adults, like, man, that's hard. And I really enjoy doing hard things. Some people are that way. Some people are not, but it's, it's keeping the, the sword sharp to get somebody to realize the utility of it. I like your 30, 30 by 30 plan. That's, I think that's a, that's a good one because you know, if you, if you, can't see a difference, you're not going to stick. I mean, that's one of the three, right? You're not going to stick with it. So yeah. 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 Witnessing progress is the single biggest, biggest motivator for any yeah. action. Seeing progress will, keep will motivate us more yeah. than anything else to keep going. So, so your question is how can I get kids to do it? And it's to pick movements and to pick an approach that hopefully I'll get them to see their gains Yeah, in a, a short amount of time so that they'll, start to, to buy in on themselves. Yeah. Yep. The tricky part at the high school is the comparison thing. And it's just like, well, it doesn't matter how much I can do. That person over there can do more. And oh, I don't yeah. want to be, in, yeah. I don't want to be in the same room with them, but that's yeah. not just a high school thing. That's everywhere. Like the yeah, amount right. of people that have said to me, well, I want to get fit before I come work out with, 
with you. It's like, no, no, no. Like, let's just, let's just, wherever yeah. you are, let's, let's go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's the hardest one for sure. Yep. But I don't know where that came from. Like, I don't know how I, it's just like running for me. Like people are like, oh, I'm going to come to the finish line. I'm like, no, just stay. Like, it's my, like, it's my fitness. I don't need you cheering me on. Like, that's great. Thank you. But uh, like, I'm not going to run any faster just because I know you're at the finish line. You're going to meet me halfway. It's just like, you know, it's, so it's, it's interesting for me to think about like, at what point did you pick that up? You went to the gym with your buddies and then you saw those gains in yourself and you're like, I'm going to keep coming here. Even though, I mean, there was obviously other pieces, like they were supportive. You felt that support and then you were like, oh, yeah. I can do this. Right. Yeah. I think but, it was like, oh my gosh, I just really, really, really want to bench this friggin' bar for 10. So it was the and challenge hit, to you. Then I hit 10 and I was like, I think that I can, <laughs> at some point I can put a 10 on either side Yeah, and bench 65 for 10. And then I, was yeah. like, and then I see someone with the 25. I was like, oh, that 95 pound bar. I want to do that for 10. Yeah. And then funny story, my, my goal back when I was really into like the bodybuilding thing before CrossFit was to someday, someday bench 225 for 10. Mm-hmm. So that's two plates. And I trained for a long time and I got nine and then I went and traveled and I got sick. And when I came back, I'd like lost it all. Like I, I lost strength so fast. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing how fast And then I switched my training like approach and I never hit 10. So right now I'm like, before I die, I want to do that 225 <laughs> for 10. So like I'm back on the horse now training to hit 220. Just, I'm light years away right now, yep. but it's just like, oh, it's, I want to try for it because it's a goal I set for myself when I was. 18 years old yeah. and I never hit it. So it's so crazy. Yeah. How cool yeah. is it? Yeah. It's the, the, yeah. I mean, just the, the physical aspects, absolutely. Right. Like you nailed it, but the, the, the mental stuff, right. That, that's, that's definitely half more, maybe more than half of it. Right. Like you have to be willing it. to go again and again and again. Right. Yeah. And it's going to get heavier and I'm going to fail. And it's like, there's so many different facets of the, the psyche in there. I love though that like, I've learned about myself is like the reason why I start doing something and the reason why I continue to do it are often just way, way, way different reasons. Like the reason why I started teaching, the reason why I continue teaching, such different reasons. And many of the people, my friends that I invite, I have a pretty robust home gym and I invite friends over to come work out with me a couple times a week. And they say, you know, the reason why I started was for the physical, but the reason why I keep coming back is this is my therapy. Like I look forward to, like I value coming here to work out as much as I would value like a scheduling a therapy appointment with a therapist. Like it's that important to me. (laughs) And it's that, that Todd is the hardest sell for someone who's never experienced it. Like how do you explain the runner's high to someone who's never had the runner's high? It's just impossible, right? So the feeling of having accomplished something and what's the irony is, right? All the weights are in the exact same place when you leave as when you arrived. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty counterproductive, right? Like, for sure. And a lot of people are like, "Yo, you got to come to my house and move a bunch of gravel for me instead of just doing that." Like, at least at least it would have served a purpose. But the purpose that it serves for me is crazy impactful. And listeners of the show know that I've expressed to you how I really struggle to just like sit quietly and quote unquote meditate. And what I've found is my meditation is exercising. I mean, it's meditation. That's when I'm best at tuning out the world and being with myself. There, you got it. Nice work. See, yeah. Better than yesterday. That's all. Better than yesterday. So there <laughs> yeah. you have it. I'm gonna yeah. f- I'm gonna wrap it up with uh, just a quick reminder of the seven benefits of strength training: um, increase muscle size and strength, improve cardiovascular health, increase bone density, stabilize and protect joints, reduce body fat, support mental well being, and improve the quality of your sleep. Kind reminder to all the listeners out there can reach us at schoolingstruggle at gmail.com. Yep. What an awesome family listeners we have. I'm just so grateful. There it is, <laughs> that word again. Grateful. Mondays. I'm grateful. I've got the over. I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm going to start betting on all kinds of things. 
<laughs> What's the over under on how many throat clearings I'm gonna edit out in this episode for you? I don't know. I don't think you cleared your throat once in this episode. <clears throat> nope. Um one piece of feedback that I got this week that said it is clear that you guys love doing this podcast. <laughs> oh, and then they asked, How long does it take how much time goes into an episode? And I, I said, takes me about an hour to a half an hour to prepare for an episode. Takes us about an hour to record an episode. Depending on the episode, anywhere between one to six hours to edit an episode. And then typing up the notes and getting it all produced and out to the world is like another half hour. So anywhere between four and a half to seven and a half hours an episode. Listener was just curious about that. So yeah. well, there's there your answer. Oh, I love this. To all the listeners out there, we so very much appreciate your ears. We thank you for your time, and we are incredibly grateful for your attention. We are the School and Struggle Podcast. Todd's laughing so hard, it makes me uh, so laugh so hard. We are out. See ya. See ya.